Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. All right, folks. 2020 has, to put it mildly, presented some challenges for all of us. You know, the good news, our patrons' numbers are still growing, almost daily. I truly, truly cannot thank all of you enough for your support. It's been overwhelming. And for those of you who've had to reassess your budgets, please know, I totally get it. And I will always be grateful for your belief in this program and the power of great content. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you every day to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tack box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. Our patrons make all of this possible. The funds are specifically designated only for overhead. They literally keep the MP3s rolling. Meanwhile, the patrons-only After Dark Facebook Live and Zoom meetings each month truly have been a fabulous success. Conversation, support, laughter, some education, some mentorship, lots of encouragement, and even, randomly, the occasional adult beverage. So click the link at www.puredogtalk.com and become a patron today. Your small contribution helps make a huge voice for purebred dogs. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and we have a super fun Love the Breeds conversation today. We are talking about Dalmatians. Yay, spotty dogs. And we have Meg Kalia and Molly Spingler and Stephanie Padeko, who's a member of the Dalmatian Club of America Board of Directors. So a lot of variety and activities and time in the breed. And I'm super excited for all of you to join us. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. So we like to refer to this as Hollywood Squares. Meg, you are the top left in Hollywood Squares. (laughs) So we're going to start with you. Give us a little bit of background. You've been in Dalmatians as long as I've known you, ever, maybe? Or almost ever, since uh, 1968. Yep. And we got our first Dalmatian because my dad was a firefighter, and it was either get a Dalmatian or a bulldog. (laughs) And I am grateful they got a Dalmatian. Not that I don't like bulldogs. So I've bred over 50 champions. My kennel name is Tramac, and... My Fred Moore Best in Show winners than anyone in my breed. I'm in the chairman of the standard committee for the parent club. I'm on the judges education committee and I'm a parent club mentor as well as a parent club presenter. Excellent. So all of those things I'm very proud of. And I was the first Dalmatian breeder to judge regular classes at a specialty on the AKC breeders option program. Right. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. All right, Molly, you're you're the you're the youngin, right? You're the newbie. You're the newbie. So tell us about yourself and what brought you to Dalmatians. My name is Molly and I breed under the kennel name Queen Bee. 
I've been in the breed for just over five years. I was actually going to school for animal science when I decided that I wanted to get my first show dog. And I had recently learned about some of the very interesting dietary requirements that come along with owning a Dalmatian. They made it on my short list, and I found a breeder that was willing to sell me a show puppy while I was in college. Nice. And she turned out to be a great little dog and my foundation bitch, and I have now bred two wonderful litters from her. And my life is full circle turned into dogs. I work in the pet food industry, and I spend every weekend I can at a dog show. Excellent. This is what we like to see. New breeders coming on. That's awesome. Welcome, Molly. Thank you. All right. Stephanie, let's hear your story. Okay. Well, thank you, Laura, for having me on here. And I have been involved, oh, 30 plus years in Dalmatians. And what brought me to the breed was I originally had horses, still have horses. And of course, what goes better with a horse than a Dalmatian? Right. Right. Bred multiple champions, bred by champions, and they're titled at both ends. And I'm very proud of that. They're both breed champions and performance champions. Also, 10 years plus judging AKC, Obedience, and Ripley. And I also judge road trials. And I'm so excited. We're going to get to road trials. Like I would do it first, but it's kind of out of order because I just think it's the (laughs) coolest thing. So I am excited to hear about that. And I know everybody else is too. What I'd like to start with is have Meg give us a little bit of history of the breed. I think it's one of the most amazing things about purebred dogs, and we talk about this all the time. Purebred dogs represent a space and a time and a people and a place in a way that almost nothing else does, and in that continuous development of living history. So Meg, share us the living history of Dalmatians. Dalmatians have kind of what a lot of people refer to as a mixed historical background. There are spotted dogs in tombs in Egypt, on frescoes in Italy, and so theoretically they were started in Dalmatia, which is why they're called Dalmatians, which is a historic province of Croatia. Right. So that's where they're based. They were developed to be basically a dog to go with horses and a guard dog. And so they were to guard the horses and guard the stables. And while they were in the stables, they were also desired trait was to kill vermin. Mm -hmm. So they do that really well. Prey drive is something that we think about with this breed, which I actually, I guess I didn't really know that they have that kind of prey drive. Oh, they have a lot of prey drive. Some of them have More than they need. (laughs) Which is why they do really well at some of the other performance events that Stephanie's going to talk about, but they're really good Mm self-thinkers. So anyway, so as far as history goes, there are illustrations of Dalmatians as far back as the 1600s, and they were brought into being a breed more in eh, the early 1800s during the Regency period where they were bred for their markings to look real fancy with the carriages and coaches. And so they were bred to run around and go with the carriage all day long so that somewhere between 25 to 35, 40 miles a day. And their job was to alert the carriage people if there was a bad guy around to chase off rogue dogs or wolves and to protect the carriage and its contents. 
and to keep the horses company because the horses that ran were pretty high strung. Sure. So, which is how they came into being with the fire department. That's my transit. I'm like, okay, go segue. Perfect. <laughs> right into the fire department. Fire departments used to have carriages or water horse drawn, devices. right? Yeah, that were horse drawn, and so the horses that drew those things were really high spirited. So the dogs kept them company while they were sitting around waiting for something to happen. When something happened, they ran with the horses. They broke up the traffic in front of them. They also kept the horses calm at the fire because horses do not like fire. No, no, they don't. And they also protected the water spigot. Potable, drinkable water was hard to come by. So while the guys were fighting a fire, somebody would come and disconnect their hose and steal the water. And so the dogs protected the water bibs so that the guys could keep fighting a fire and not lose all their water to people who wanted to steal it. Look at that. Dalmatian is stable pony. I don't know that I've ever really actually heard that specific way of thinking about it. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So they kept them company and kept them busy and they're clowns and they're really, really good with horses. They really like being around them. Absolutely. And I think that's going to be a good transition to Stephanie, who bought one to go with her horses and does a lot of the performance events and the coaching. What is it? Road trial? Is that what it's called? Yeah. And tell me about that. I am fascinated by this entire concept, Stephanie. Okay. So what is a road trial? It's a performance event and a test that's designed to evaluate the Dalmatian's ability to coach or follow the horses. Okay. So that being said, what happens is the exhibitors compete on horseback or in a horse-drawn carriage. Oh, it's either or. I thought it was only in a carriage. You can be either horseback or in the carriage. They can be on horseback or in a horse-drawn carriage. But the dog or dogs, because it can be multiple dogs that compete, are off-leash. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of this trial or this event is to demonstrate the use of the purebred Dalmatian as companion in the role that they were bred, as Meg just told you, to perform. Right. Three levels of road trial competition. One is called the coaching certificate. And what this does is it evaluates the Dalmatian's ability to coach. So they don't have to do any of the endurance part of the ride. So it's basically done with the person on a horse or in a carriage and the dog by the coach. That's the evaluation. Okay. The second level is called a road dog. This evaluates the coaching ability and moderate endurance. So in other words, they have to do somewhat similar to an obedience portion. Dog is off leash, horse and rider or horse and carriage. They have to do a recall exercise. They have to do a distraction exercise where there's another dog playing with a ball and they have to continue to coach with you. And then they have to do a 12 and a half mile endurance. Nice. That's the road dog. Then there's the third level, and it's called Road Dog Excellent. This also evaluates their coaching ability and extended endurance. So it does all of the things I previously mentioned. And in addition, it also adds on a little bit more obedience. So in other words, hockeying with the dog, doing a figure eight with the dog, and you're on horseback or in the carriage, and then also a 25-mile endurance ride. This also evaluates the ability to have 
your Dalmatian in public places, how they handle being out on the trails, how they handle experiences with other dogs. And are they basically in heel position? Is there like a, you have to be six feet radius? How is that handled? So it's called a hock position. Okay. And that hock position is anywhere from the horse's shoulder, the front shoulder, all the way back to the back hock where the tail is. Yep. And if it's on the carriage, it's usually right under the carriage, actually. And that's why if somebody's going to talk about the standard of a dog and why we don't want high tail sets on a Dalmatian, there's a really good reason for that. High tails would get chopped off if they were under the carriage. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. See, I have to tell you guys, I love my job. This is the coolest job ever. I learn something every single time I talk to people. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Okay. So I definitely, I'm going to have to borrow somebody's gated horse and their Dalmatian just so I can do this. This sounds so much fun. So they compete in these and these happen on a regular basis, only at the national. I mean, is this something anybody can go watch? How does that work? So originally it only did happen at our national. And then recently in the past, I'm going to say maybe 10 years or so, they started adding on regionals where people could actually, a club could actually sponsor a road trial. There are not a lot of them. There are road trials available in New York, maybe one or two of them a year that I think, honestly, it's up to the road trial committee that gets that together and presents it to the board and the clubs that want to have it, they're required to ask. Right. So they're not regularly scheduled, but normally in the year of a non-pandemic at our (laughs) national, we would be having a road trial. (laughs) Right. I understand that there's going to be a road trial in Northern California coming up before the end of the year. I'm not sure exactly when, but I heard rumblings about that. Okay, Meg, you're killing me. Offline, you're gonna have to tell me all about that. Okay, so so this is a thing. So the endurance, and I think, again, this is something that we talk about a lot on the podcast. And one of you guys can speak to this just really briefly. The basic idea that the dogs are built in a certain way to do a certain job and that a written breed standard of the breed describes the dog that does the job best. Correct. And you talked about the tail car. Theoretically. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what breed standards were done. You know, back in in the 1800s, when you're writing a breed standard, you're looking at the best coaching dog and saying, this is what he looks like. And so I think that that's an important piece for people to understand when they're acquiring a dog, whether it's as a companion dog or a show dog, that that structural soundness that lets them trot for 25 miles next to a horse or run next to somebody that's running a marathon. Either way, that's something that is determined by the structure that is described in the written breed standard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yep. Our standard calls for a square balanced dog, and that's the kind of dog that can trot for miles and miles. Something that's extreme is not going to make 25 miles. Okay. Very cool. So Stephanie, talk to me. You do a whole bunch of other sports besides this really fun one that involves horses that I could get squirreled off on for the whole time. (laughs) Talk to us about, I mean, this is a compact, low maintenance, high energy, high drive breed. I assume they do relatively well at all the various sports available to them. They truly do. And I'm including even events that are breed specific for other breeds, such as herding. We have Dalmatians that have titles in herding. We have Dalmatians that have titled in hunt, field test, hunt test, 
in my opinion, this is a breed that can do it all. There isn't a sport out there that I have found, a performance sport, that Dalmatians don't excel at. They're just a brilliant breed. Excellent. And they're a nice moderate size, nice short hair coat, easy maintenance. So those things, I think, are just appealing to people, right? So Molly, I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, here's the plus side, here's the positives. Here's some things that you want to know about when you ask your breeder when you're looking to get a Dalmatian. So let's talk about some of those issues. So definitely getting a Dalmatian, it's very important to do your research because there are some key things that go along with the breed. Dalmatians are prone to form urate purine stones. This is a different stone than we would usually talk about in most other breeds. Those are struvites that are very common, where this is a different type of stone. And all Dalmatians are prone to form these unless they are actually part of the, if they are descendant of the Dalmatian pointer back cross from back in the 70s. I know that's come up in a lot of other podcasts, actually. But this genetic mutation, researchers believe, was introduced into the breed when they were selectively breeding for the spotting pattern. So it's something that the way our dogs look brings us in. Interesting. Okay. So this is something that's it's a big problem in our breed that we need to use the controlled diet that I was speaking of before to combat this issue. So Dalmatians need to be fed a diet that's very low in appearance. And that doesn't necessarily mean low in protein, but those often go hand in hand. So we have to watch the protein sources we feed to them. So we avoid all game meat and all organ meat. So we can't use liver in the show ring. Yes. The one Dalmatian I showed, she's like, you will only feed it chicken. I'm like, okay, chicken, got it. (laughs) Yes. So we have to get kind of creative with what we use as bait. And we also need to be a little bit creative about what we use to supplement in the diet to bring that protein up. So there's things like eggs, cottage cheese, Greek yogurt that are high in protein that can be used to fill that void. So that and hydration is very important. We really need to keep them hydrated and frequent urination. And another thing that I bring up to my puppy buyers is waiting to spay and neuter until this breed has reached sexual maturity. And we've really allowed that urinary system to become as developed as it possibly can, so that if they were to form a stone, that hopefully that they would be able to pass it without a blockage. Okay. So it's a lot of education, and it's a lot of research, and it's a lot of educating your puppy buyers. It's the first thing that I bring up when someone contacts me about Dalmatians, because it's something that's going to be lifelong management. Right. And, you know, very manageable. Very manageable. And I think that is the important piece of it. It is very manageable situation. And the importance of working with a breeder who understands this sort of thing, I think, becomes really, really imperative in a breed like Dalmatians. Would you guys agree? Very much so. Yeah, it is a breed-specific thing, and it's not huge. It's a problem. I'm not going to say it's not. But if you manage it correctly and you feed it correctly and hydrate it, then you are not likely to have a major problem. So it's a management thing. Right. Awareness and management. And if you don't know about it, you can't manage it. Exactly. So that's the education piece. Right. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Embark is a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. DNA testing is rapidly growing amongst breeders. 
And given the importance of these test results to the health of not only each dog, but also that of future generations of dogs. At Embark, they believe it's critical to provide transparency in their testing methods that result in more than 99.99% accuracy for health tests. Embark's innovative testing platform enables the hundreds of genetic health and traits test results provided in Embark's products while also creating research-ready data for use by canine health organizations and scientists. Embark's methods exceed industry quality control standards by also checking the breed, sex, and relatives of every sample to ensure DNA samples are correctly labeled and unique identity is recorded. In addition to quality control, this helps fraud prevention by ensuring the same dog can't be tested multiple times without Embark knowing. At Embark, they're proud of their world-class canine DNA testing service, and they're committed to continually raising the bar. They're on a mission to provide breeders and all dog owners with the high level of accuracy they need to optimize their breeding programs, manage the lifetime care of their dogs, and improve the health of future generations of dogs. Haven't used Embark yet? Get your first Embark for Breeders dog DNA test for $99 right now. You use the code TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. That's TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. Molly, you talked a little bit earlier, too, about some of the issues that come with the patterning as regards hearing issues. Yes. So Dalmatians are also predisposed to congenital deafness. So that's something that a reputable breeder would be doing a bare hearing test before the puppies go home. So that's something very important to look for because these are numbers that DCA put out a few years ago, but about 70% of Dalmatians are bilateral hearing. 22% are unilateral hearing, with only 8% being bilaterally deaf. And that's really good numbers, honestly, for the fact that this is something that exists in the breed. And so clarify that for the listeners. Bilateral hearing means they have auditory ability in both ears. Unilateral means one ear. And bilateral deaf means they can't hear at all. Yes, that is exactly what that means. And those are great numbers. I definitely think that the push to breed bilateral hearing to bilateral hearing has definitely improved those numbers and we should continue on that trend. But it is still something that researchers are having a hard time completely understanding because it must be something that involves multiple different genes. So that's something that we haven't been able to just get it out of the breed simply by breeding. So we just need to continue to be cautious about it You can live with a unilateral dog if you train it properly in the same way that you would with a bilateral hearing dog. So it's just being educated on it. And there's many of us who have what we think of as selectively deaf dogs, and this isn't the same. (laughs) Yes, I have one at home. We all have those. Exactly. Everybody has a selectively deaf. I have clumber spaniels, pugs. Yeah, no, they can't hear me. I don't know what you're talking about. Meg, talk to us. You have the longest span duration. Talk to us anecdotally about the deafness thing and how it's able to be managed when you're paying attention to it. 
Well, when I first got into Dalmatians, we either had hearing Dalmatians or deaf Dalmatians. We did not even know that they had the ability to hear in one ear and not the other. So when this BAER was developed, we then found out that some of these dogs only heard in one ear, and that was a real eye-opener to us. So trying to carefully breed around dogs that hear in one ear, not eliminating them completely because our gene pool will be decimated if we do, particularly back then. The gene pool is stronger now than it used to be. Mm -hmm. But hearing is much better than it used to be. And unilateral dogs make absolutely wonderful pets. Breeders need to make sure that they tell their puppy people what ear they hear in. So if they ever get a bad ear infection, they treat it aggressively and not just as, oh, let's put a little something in their ear. No, it has to be aggressive because they don't have a backup ear and they can't lose some hearing in that ear and then have the other ear compensate for it. They do make perfectly wonderful pets. And if it's a really good one, if it's a really good one, it should not be eliminated from a breeding program, but very, very carefully, carefully bred. Well, and I think too, the beauty of having the bear testing and all of the other health testing that has accrued to us as breeders over the course of the 40 or 50 years that we've all been involved in this, that it has given us these options. Mm -hmm that we didn't have. And it has given us the ability to make the numbers that Molly's talking about of significant improvement. Yeah, make better decisions that very honestly, we just plain didn't even know back then. Mm -hmm. Our very first Dalmatian was a uni, no doubt in my mind. He was a great, great dog. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, so this is a great segue and we're gonna take this and run with it a little bit. Stephanie, I'm gonna start with you. Talk to us about who makes a really great Dalmatian owner. (sighs) Who makes a really great Dalmatian owner? I personally would feel that a great Dalmatian owner would be someone who was first and foremost interested in the health and well-being of their dog, obviously, as in any breed. And then because of the Dalmatian's energy, I'd like to see someone who was sports-minded, active, like to do Mm -hmm. some activities that would include their dog. Most of the other things that would make great dog owners in general, but basically someone who had some energy to play with this energized dog. Right. So if your favorite pastime is lying on the couch watching Netflix and your idea of exercise is going to the fridge for more snacks, this might not be the breed for you. Would you guys be on board with that? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And some are more active than others. Mine up until very recently. (laughs) have been kind of couch potato-y kind of dogs generally. They're not super like, we have to do something. Mm -hmm. I have two of those now. (laughs) But it's a domesticated dog. They want to do what you want to do. So it's best for breeders to find the best fit for the personality. And that's why I don't let puppy people pick their puppies. I don't either. I talk to them, figure out what their expectations are, and I pick the puppy pretty much, that they get so that it fits. Based on the evaluation that you've spent eight weeks living with these puppies and 50 years, years, you're able to identify, I've got the same situation here as a breeder, you can identify the puppy that's going to turn out to be a troublemaker and the puppy that's going to be just so chill that you, and in the same litter. Yeah. And I think that it's important for people to understand that. Absolutely. Yes. Within every litter, you're going to have that variety. 
And trust us. Yep. And having the trust in the breeder you're working with also, obviously. And I think this is a good segue too into the fact that we have, and Molly, I have to tell you, Molly is a Pure Dog Talk listener, Pure Dog Talk patron. And this was her idea because there is a remake of the 101 Dalmatians coming out. And I know that there's some history that goes with this in terms of the lovers of this breed and enthusiasts of this breed. But Stephanie, I'm going to have you speak to this from the Dalmatian Club of America's position as regards the fact there's a new movie coming out. People are going to see the movie. They're going to see all the spots and they're going to be calling y'all. So what is the board of directors position on this? Well, it's pretty straightforward. People need to research breeds and they need to make sure that they get a dog that's right for them. It might be a Dalmatian or it might not. So it's really important that they research the breed thoroughly. Talk to a Dalmatian breeder. Find out whether or not this is the dog for you. It could possibly be the perfect fit or then it might not be. NPS. Those little white hairs do shed off onto your black pants. I'm just telling you. (laughs) Everywhere. The black ones end up in the refrigerator. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And so talk to us. I'm going to go back to our original order here. This is my new favorite addition to the Love the Breeds episodes. Three words that define, I know, come on, I'm putting you on the spot. Three words (laughs) that define the Dalmatian for you, Meg. Boy, they are a very devoted breed to their family. Some breeds are single-person dogs. Some Dalmatians can be single-person dogs, but generally they look for a leader and they are really good family dogs. And so they are very devoted to their family unit. And with that devotion, they're a good guard dog for that. They're fun. They're silly. They do bad things. Devoted fun and naughty. (laughs) They're special. That was my third one. They're special. If you can't laugh at a Dalmatian, you should not own one. I think that is awesome. Okay. (laughs) Devoted, fun, and special. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. They're special. They're the only dog with spots of any breed. So they're very very special. Unique. I like that. Okay. Molly. So my first is definitely going to be loyal. They are by far the most loyal breed that I have ever met. You cannot do anything without your Dalmatians or your six Dalmatians. (laughs) (laughs) And they are also very, very affectionate. They will be bed cuddlers. They will be there for you in everything. And lastly, I'm going to say flashy. Um, You cannot walk down the street without someone stopping you. So it's very important to be a breed advocate and really be able to talk about the breed because everyone is going to stop you. You will be shocked at the amount of people that will ask you if it actually is a Dalmatian. (laughs) Awesome. All right. That's great. All right, Stephanie, what are your three? Okay. I'm going to give you my three words and they are brilliant, spotted, energized. I love it. You nailed that one. Brilliant, spotted, and energized. Very good. Okay. That's going to be the title right there. I'm seeing it. (laughs) Okay. I did want to touch on one more thing and I forgot to mention this earlier and it just popped back into my head for people who are looking to find a breeder of Dalmatians. Dalmatians come in black spots and brown spots. Right. Right. End of conversation. Yep. So can we talk about that a little bit just very briefly 
discuss the disqualification or non-standard colors for Dalmatians? Meg? Sure. You know how some of these breeds are having to deal with doodle breeding? Well, as soon as you cross a Dalmatian with any breed of dog, you lose their spots. So you lose what's unique about them. So we now have what I call doodle breeders in Dalmatians, and they are breeding lemons, orange, blues, tricolors, brindle tricolors, brindles, and long hairs. And they're doing it because it's a unique thing. Those colors and patterns and coat lengths are all in our gene pool, but they are pulling them out. And they are also, I think some of them that I've seen do not quite look 100% purebred Mm. because they've gone out to get a coat gene, which is easier and faster than breeding for finding the coat gene in the Dalmatian. Dalmatian. So it's interesting to me that all of those are in the gene pool. Like I have seen a clearly purebred Dalmatian with an orange spot. An orange spot or spotting. This one had a pumpkin spot, they called it. Oh, just one spot. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an odd abnormality. And we really don't know why they do that. And it won't be in the tan pattern place, which is where tricolors are. Right. This was on its side somewhere. It's a weird thing. We don't know why they do that. But every now and then you'll see like a black spotted with tan, not liver. Because tan is a different color than liver. Right. So it's in the tan spot like a Doberman would have is where the tricolor pattern is. You cannot have a liver Dalmatian with black spots on their back. That is genetically impossible. So that's one of the things we try to educate judges is that you may see a different color or shading of brown, but that does not make it a tricolor unless it is tan spots in the tan point pattern. Yes. Having encountered that personally. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. I think you might've been there. (laughs) I think I was. Yeah. (laughs) The time Laura had to be removed from the building, but anyway, we won't talk about that anymore. (laughs) That's okay. Hey, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. At any rate, we do try in judges education. We really try really hard to explain patching. It's very easy for me because of where her pointers. Brown is little B, little B. Black is big B, big B. Easy peasy. Right. It can't be both. Right. If the nose is brown, it's brown. If the nose is black, it's black. Done. Correct. Yeah. Genetics 101 in our Dalmatian podcast. Yeah. At any rate, thank you, ladies. I really, really appreciate your time. Molly, thank you. Good job on the suggestion. And Stephanie and Meg and Molly, both, all of you guys, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Laura. Thank you very much for having us. Awesome. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.